And that is what we need. We do need reviving, no, no doubt. No doubt at all. So, <clears throat> how many of you are enjoying the hot weather? A couple people, yeah? See, we have, we have some people that prefer to live like at the beach and prefer it to be hot. Um, there's some people <clears throat> that were in the first service that raised their hand that it took me a while to realize that the reason they rose, raised their hand that they like the hot weather is because they're from Florida. So, so they, you know, they, they like that, that hot weather. Um, I'm more of a 70s person, you know, 70s, 80s. It gets up to uh, 88 now, and in my 40s, I just can't breathe as well. The humidity and stuff, I just don't, it gets to 90, and, you know, it just kind of goes down from there. But nonetheless, um, that's that. Hopefully, it'll cool off, maybe, by September. <laughs> maybe. So we have, have all of August to go through um, with that particular regard. Um, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we are this morning. And um, no, okay, great. I just wanted to check. Um, I need a volunteer, just a volunteer real quick. Anybody might be scared to volunteer? Huh? Come on up. Come on up. <clears throat> you need to bring your Bible. And you need to bring your Bible. And what I want you to do is I want you to stand right there, right there, and I want you to do exactly what I do. Well, you have to be in Ephesians chapter 5. That might be important. You have to do exactly what I'm doing, though. See, I'm holding it with one hand, left hand. Yeah, you have to look. Well, you have to figure out if I'm looking back this way. That's the challenge, isn't it? Like, if I go down like this, you have to do that, go up. Yeah, great. If I turn this way, and then if I turn the other way. And if I turn the other way, gotcha. Anyway, okay, so, so, so there you go. You smile. You got a better smile than I do. And I don't have chewing gum. <clears throat> it's just a difference that we have. No, I don't know if it'll take you. No, yeah. It's a COVID thing, so it's a COVID thing. So are you going to be the, are you, you know, I'm not doing any of this. You're doing it in secret? You know, I didn't say any of that, and you're supposed to be imitating me. You just can't get good volunteers these days. You just can't. Slim pickings. All right, right. So you're going to imitate exactly what I'm doing, whatever I'm doing. Okay. Therefore, be imitators of. I don't hear you. Yes. We're, we're going to start verse one. It doesn't. Yours is also a smaller font too. Mine's the right one. It's ESV. Does anybody have an ESV for him? We have to get this matched up here. Yeah, here we go. Okay, thank you. So put that by. Oh, that is little right. Oh, right. I see the big right. What in the world are you talking about? This. Look, look at that. Can you see how little? Okay. 
can just, okay. You are supposed to be doing what I'm doing. When I walk down there to get the Bible, you're supposed to go with me, and then you're supposed to come up. This is very difficult for you to do, isn't it? Very hard for you to do. Neither does anybody else. Okay, so, <clears throat> okay, you ready? Okay. Therefore, be imitate. I don't hear you. I said, I said, are you ready? No, you are imitating me. I don't follow you. When I started, therefore, then you start, and I'll follow you. Go ahead. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready. I got you. Let's go. Okay. In, the point of this is for you to imitate me, not for me. Tell me, ready? All right. One, two, three. I did. I said, are you ready? And you said, yeah. And I went, okay. I should be able to tell you, are you ready? You should always be ready. I'm ready right now. Wait. Wait. Are you going to start? I am. You are not imitating. Was I quiet? That means you're supposed to be quiet. Let's go. Hey, are you ready? I'm okay. Read. Just imitate me what I am doing. I just want to know when we're stop. You don't need to know that. You just need to imitate what I'm doing. But if you stop, then I can stop. <sighs> I'm ready. Let's go. Therefore, how far are we reading? Now I know how God feels. Okay, here we go. Okay. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, give him a hand. That's all you need to do. You made it way harder than it needed to be. By the way, we didn't practice that. <clears throat> yeah. Therefore, be imitators of God. How hard is it for you and I to imitate God the Father? Very difficult. In fact, what happened there in that exchange is exactly probably what happens in your relationship to God every single day that you're trying to imitate him in your life. It's probably exactly that. So there's a couple of scriptures in, in the word of God that, that really kind of brings us into focus that, that kind of makes us realize that the task, the very difficult and almost impossible task of imitating God in our life. So here's a couple of these verses. First is this one. Be holy as I am holy. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2. I mean, how hard is that? Have any of us ever achieved being holy as God is holy? You know, we have God over here saying, this is how you should do it. And we have us over here going, but you didn't. When do we start? What do we do? I don't really understand. I'm trying to do it, but I can't do it. And we're kind of uh, putting our own words while God is just saying, no, no, no. Just imitate me. Don't worry about all the details. Just imitate me and be holy as I am holy. It's very difficult for us to even grasp what we're supposed to do. Most of his questions was, what in the world are you supposed to do, right? And by the way, <clears throat> we didn't rehearse that. It was totally off the cuff. It didn't happen in the first service. He came up, tried to do it, and tried to get his mind wrapped around what I wanted him to do in the moment, right? Here is be holy as I am holy. We've heard it for a very long period of time. And I'm not so sure that we can 
effectively wrap our mind around what that actually means. And to achieve it is a bar that is way up here that we constantly grasp for. Here's another place in scripture where God tells us to imitate him. He says, be perfect as God is perfect. This is a, a, a person that has OCD, it's their favorite verse. <laughs> right? Favorite. I want perfection. I want all the green beans in the cupboard exactly where the green beans go and right beside that, the corn and, and all that. I don't want it exactly in the cupboard, exactly right. It's got to be perfect so that when I walk in there, it's all clean and nice and ready to go. Well, you know, that's a perfection that I can actually imitate and actually make my cupboard look exactly like that person's cupboard. But when it comes to God covered, when it comes to God and us trying to be perfect like God is perfect, I think we, we kind of wonder, what, what, what are we, how am I supposed to do it? I'm imperfect trying to be perfect. How can I do that? So holiness and perfection just seems like they're just totally out of reach, but it's something that God wants us to imitate in him. Because it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Check this out. <clears throat> this next imitation. Be merciful as God the Father is merciful. If we're talking in terms of holiness and perfection and merciful, to me, this one is a little more achievable than the perfection and the, and the holiness. I am not trying to tell you that I can be as merciful as God is merciful. And I'm not saying that that mercifulness is out of reach, but I can kind of wrap my mind around this one a little bit more than I can what it means to be holy and perfect, perfect and, and achieve that. I can kind of wrap that around because the thought that would come to my mind is, how has God been merciful to me? Well, he's been merciful to me while I'm a sinner. He, he showed his love for me on the cross while I was a sinner. And so if someone does something against me, then I can understand, well, I can understand how to, not how, how to show mercy to that person because I've already been showed mercy. I can understand that. I can also understand the work that it takes to show mercy to that person that's done something wrong against me, right? So, I, so I'm not saying that I can, we can reach up and be exactly like God, but we can at least, I mean, that one's at least a little more mind, you know, you can, you can kind of almost get to it. So is this one, kind of same category. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. So here we have an example of Christ forgiving us of our sins, and we are supposed to forgive other people for what they've done against us. So we, we can kind of wrap our minds around that forgiveness. We can, we can wrap our minds around that and at least reach up for that and feel like that we are progressing toward that. But when it comes to perfection and holiness and imitating that, wow, that just seems so out of this world. And then mercy and forgiveness, the way God forgave us, also seems out of reach, but we at least feel like we can, we can do some in imitating that. Um, <clears throat> the world is a fallen place, isn't it? It's falling, you see it all around us. The, the world is breaking apart. We can actually see the evils and the imperfections and the unholiness all around us at all times. I mean, we can see that. We can see it on the news. We can see it when we go to the supermarket. We can see it when we're going down the road. We can see it at our jobs. We can see how people 
are just broken and the world is broken, we, we can see that. Have you, have you ever paused a moment and thought what God sees? Like we can see it and we're not perfect. We can see it and we're not holy. But a holy, perfect God that looks down on this world sees more decay and more destruction and more unrighteousness than you and I can even fathom. He sees that it's more messed up than you and I could ever come to in our minds because he is holy and he's perfect. And just like his, we, we can't quite reach his perfection, you know, on our own, we can't reach it. We do not completely understand the mess he saw with his holy eyes when he looked down on the human race that had fallen into sin. How many of you cannot stand a messy home? Yeah, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. I grew up with a mom that every week you, you cleaned your room. And let me explain to you how you cleaned your room. <clears throat> you had a bed. The nightstand went on the bed. Everything on the nightstand went on the bed. You went over to your dresser, you took everything off your dresser, you dusted it, you put it on the bed. You, you picked up everything off of the floor and you stuck it on the bed, you dusted it. And then you went back around and you dusted the room and then you vacuumed the room because my mom had this concept that if you vacuumed first and then dusted, the dust on the furniture would go back on the floor. So that, that, was her, that was her concept. So we did her concept. So you would, what did I say? You would dust, and then you would vacuum, and then you would mop. We had hardwood floors, um, just what we had, hardwood floors, and we would mop those hardwood floors, and then you would have to have the mama test before you could put the stuff back down on the floor. So once she got done, everything under the bed, nothing under the bed. It wasn't until I was married that I realized that people put stuff under the bed, <laughs> right? It, it wasn't until then that I realized that people actually store stuff to collect dust and didn't realize that. We weren't able to do that. So, so she would come in and say, yeah, it's clean. And then I'd, I'd put all the stuff down. This was every Saturday morning. And as a kid, you did it quick because Bugs Bunny came on at 10. You know, the cartoons that weren't good for you to watch where they blew up stuff and, pe you know, all that, you know, they shot with guns and all that. You know, those, those bad cartoons that you weren't supposed to watch that for some reason... We never thought that that's what you were supposed to do to your friend, but we'll leave that for another message for another time. We had to have our room perfected before we could get to the cartoons that we wanted to watch. So we did this every week. It was a perfect house. God says, I want you to be holy as I'm holy. I want you to be perfect as I'm perfect. I want you to give mercy as I give mercy. I want you to give forgiveness as I give forgiveness. I want you to imitate me and get your spiritual house in order. Every day you go through life, you get that spiritual house in order so that you can interact in the world with the new humanity on so that you can be a blessing and a light to other people. So God says, therefore, be imitators, well, Peter does, therefore be imitators of God and beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice 
to God. So there's a, <clears throat> there's a, um, a paraphrase of this, this particular verse, and I want to show it to you. And this is what it says. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, God is love. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but gave everything of himself to us, love like that. If I was to put it in a shorter way, this paraphrase, it would say this, God is love, learn a life of love. Christ, his love was extravagant, love like that. Love like that. So Peter is saying, yeah, I know the scripture about holiness. I know the scripture about perfection. I know the scripture about mercy. I know the scripture about, you know, uh, forgiveness. But what I want you to understand that you need to imitate when it comes to God is his love. And you imitate it and you show it to other people. Now, that's quite the task, isn't it? That is quite the task. Over here on this side, you have like humanity's love. Like love that is kind of skewed and weird. Like I'll love you if you do this for me. That's the kind of love. You do this, I'll love you for that. So it's kind of a, a, a balanced love. Like if, if you're mean to me, I won't love you, but I can, I can get back into love with you. Over here on this side, you fall out of love with people and then into love with people and, and you, you love them one day, but you don't love them the next because somehow or another they surprised you. Right? So you have all this kind of confusion about love. Sometimes this love is erotic. Sometimes this love is, is just based on a lust that you have for something, like a car. For instance, uh, in this side of love, some people love peanut butter just like they love their spouse. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it seems, I love my peanut, and they, they do the same thing. But this is humanity's love. The love that it's talking about here of imitating is God's love, which is which is totally different. First of all, this love over here is, is rooted in humanity that has fallen. So they don't have a concept of love. Like, love is acceptance. We just accept people the way they are because that's the way. No, 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 no. Love, this love is not like that, okay? God's love is an all-encompassing love. He looks down on a broken world that you and I cannot comprehend, and he says, this world right here needs saving. And that is his number one goal. He loves. He loves the mess. No, he loves the people of the mess. That's what he loves. And so he looks down and we're supposed to emulate God's love to other people and love them. So there are a couple of issues that, Christians haven't been involved in lately, and I can't say that I haven't been involved in certain aspects of this and had to come back and, and do something different. So you've got, you've got like what the school is doing, which, which makes you a little bit upset, like if we're honest, makes us a little bit upset because of the environment. You have, you have this 
mask thing going on that people that wear masks don't like the people that don't wear masks and the people that don't wear masks don't like the people that are wearing masks and, and there's all kinds of shooting back and forth, you know, and, and calling of names and stuff that just isn't very loving right there. And then you, and then you have this um, who matters, right? Who matters? This, this group matters, this group doesn't matter. This group is evil because they say they matter and this group is evil because they say they don't matter because these people matter and there's all kinds of matter going on and, and everybody gets kind of confused as to what is really going on. And so we have all this mess going on and we interact, people interact with this mess and they often don't do it in a, in a godly loving way. Because when God sees it, all these issues are really temporary. They're really temporary. The issue that God is trying to solve is a fallen humanity in order to get them to a new humanity where they live in the future with him in heaven rather than a place of hell and torment in the future in the lake of fire. See, when it, comes to, when it comes to what the world really needs, it's not a mask or not a mask. It is Jesus or not Jesus. And in the future, that's really what matters because this is temporary. What's going to happen in the future is eternal. So you're either going to be eternally in punishment or you're going to be eternally in heaven. Therefore, when we look at people and we have conversations with people about these issues that seem so big and so important, we need to step back and say, hey, I'm supposed to be imitating God's love. And his main objective in the world was to love people so that they would receive him as their personal savior and wind up in heaven one day. Are you tracking? So what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do to show his love for you and me? Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8 says of Jesus, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if we are supposed to imitate God's love, we are to empty ourselves of ourselves. Amen. That is what we're supposed to do. You cannot be selfish and love people like God loves people. You can't do it. Those two things do not coexist. You have to empty yourself of your pride, empty yourself of your selfishness, empty yourself of, of just the ridiculousness of you trying to get your way and just love people as God loved people. It says in Philippians that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. How many times do you and I interact with people in a loving way to our own advantage? How many times do we do that? We don't empty ourselves, but it's for our own advantage. For instance, when you're in an argument with your spouse, and an argument is really just a selfish display of whatever you're selfishly displaying, um, you're trying to gain an advantage so you can win the argument, right? But over here on this side, a discussion, a discussion, 
is one that is that is got love all in it and you're trying to actually make a decision that's better for everybody. You're not trying to win something over here. You're trying to get to a better place for the whole group and you, you flavor it with love. How many of you love bacon? Bacon, yeah. How many of you are under the opinion like my daughter is that bacon makes everything taste good? Yeah, right? Like if... She, she, um, she recently, I think, I, I might get this story a little bit off, but she recently um, ate squid. At that point, she was not my child. I just, <laughs> there's no way I can do that. Ate, ate you know, this squid, squid thing. Well, there was bacon with it, so it was tolerable. Right? You got the bacon and you got the squid on the side, some type of, you know, it's different, you know, the high-class bacon, prosciutto or whatever that is, right? So anyway, bacon makes everything, everything better. Love, when we're imitating God's love, makes everything better. Makes everything better. God's love enables us to empty ourselves out of our own selfishness and look to the betterment of the other person and what's best for them. And it helps us not fight for what we want, but fight for what's best for everybody. That's what it does. So Jesus emptied himself, did not make himself equal with God, did not use his power to force anything on anybody, but he emptied himself and died on the cross to solve humanity's problem. That is amazing. So who do you empty yourself for? Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus not only um, wants to take you to a place that's a lot better, he also wants you wants to help you with the troubles that you're having right now. And he's concerned about them. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy and laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Jesus cares for you, and he's there for you in your troubled times. If we are supposed to show love for other people, then we have to be willing to be with them during their troubled times. Answer the phone. Listen to somebody that's going through something. Go over to their house. Take them a meal. Tell them that you care. Right? Reach out. He cares for people who are struggling. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32 says, And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now for three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, for they might faint on the way. See, Jesus also looked and saw people's needs and tried to meet them to the best of his ability. If we are to imitate God's love, we do the same thing. We see a family in need, we try, to, we try to help them out. Now, I'll tell you this, there's sometimes that you think there's some people in need that aren't in need, right? So we have to be honest here. Like we have to say, um, do, you need, do you need 
this, and that person has to say, well, not really, we, we have this, and we're just fine. I mean, the other person has to be able to do that. However, if you have an inclination that someone needs something, you need to check that out and not just assume that they're okay. And sometimes people, people don't want what you want to give them because they don't want to feel like they are weak and not able to provide. So love would say to do it in secret and just make sure that their need is met. That's what Jesus would do. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is in this room right now, but he's not posting all our needs on the back screen either. He's taking care of them in his own way as secret as they need to be or as in open as they need to be. That's how we imitate God's love for other people. Amen. That's how we do it. Not in front, but kind of hide it. So you walk in love. I think sometimes we lose compassion for people very quickly. Have you ever asked this question? Why does God allow difficult people in my life? Have you ever asked that question? Why are all these difficult people in my life? Seems like I just can't get away from all these difficult people. My answer to that question is this. What other kinds of people are there? I've been doing this a very long, a very long period of time, longer than maybe I look. But I'm not so sure that there isn't difficult people in the world. I kind of smile now, and not in a, not in a bad way, so don't, I'm not making fun, but I kind of smile now at two people that, that are in love, and he's the best thing that she's ever seen in her entire life, right? And, and um, he, she is, did I say he is the best thing she's ever seen in her entire life? Yeah, and he looks at her and says, oh, wow, she is, she is just awesome. A friend of mine recently met with a guy <clears throat> that wants to marry his daughter. And he met with him a while, and, and the guy just sat there and said, well, it, the father asked, well, why do you want to marry her? Well, I just love her. I just love her. Well, I mean, but why else do you want to marry her? Well, love is just enough. You know, so it's, that's just sort of, you know, just kind of love is just enough. That's just the only reason that we should get married. And then I saw the video of, of him getting down on his knee and proposing, right, with the ring, and she can't believe it, that it's happening, right? And she, oh, why are you doing this? Because I love you, and of course, they're getting married, and it's just that, oh, it's just this, this, this the greatest moment, and it's absolutely incredible. It's an absolutely incredible moment, right? And, and so, what they don't realize is two very difficult people are about to make commitments to each other. See, we always like the side of things that says for better. Will you love him for better? Yes. Will you love her for better? Yes. Will you love her for worse? I don't even know what that word means, but I want to say yes. Right? For worse. We forget the worst side of things. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and health. When you want to love them, when you want to argue with them, when you want to um, help them live, when you want to kill them. Yeah, when you want to do it. That is, that is an amazing, amazing thing, isn't it? 
So everybody is difficult. Everybody is difficult. But we are called to love all the difficult people. Thank you. Some are more difficult than others, right? Let me give you an example. There's this well-known figure in the Bible. His name is David. He became king. But before he was king, he loved this man named Saul. Saul was the king of his nation. He served Saul with all his heart. He ran from Saul and still loved him. Saul tried to kill him, but he still loved the king, Saul. He never tried to strike against him. He created distance, of course. I mean, if somebody's throwing spears at you, it's probably not a good idea to live with that person. Probably not a good idea. So you need to separate, right? So David moves away, and just like every other person that's crazy and wants to kill you, that person followed David and tried to pursue him and tried to, tried to get him. There was two times that David could have killed Saul and got rid of his problem. Two times. One time was when Saul was in a cave and he had had Mexican and was going through that process. Okay? So David's in the cave and he's sneaking up and he just cuts part of his garment off and he goes back and hides in the cave probably just be able to breathe but he went back into a better part of the cave so Saul left and David comes out and David get this not only didn't he didn't kill him he felt grief because he had cut a piece of his garment off that is an imitation of God's love for you and for me. How many chances has God had to take you out of this world, but he didn't? How many, how many times have you been in a position where God was like, no, you shouldn't have done that. You're gone. In the words of Duck Dynasty, he gone. He gone. How many times should have really God taken you out so that you wouldn't bother anybody anymore? Here's David imitating to the best of his ability in his fallen nature, God's love for this king that's trying to kill him. And you and I are called to do exactly the same thing. We do not have to live with our enemies. We can put distance between us and our enemies, but at the same time, it is not our responsibility to cause harm to come to them. That is God's responsibility. God handles that. Is everybody tracking? So to imitate God's love is totally different than the world. It is, it is to love the people that love you and you really are really good in love with them and love the people that are difficult and even your enemies. It's love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. God's love does. So that is our calling as well. Um, people don't create your spirit, they reveal your spirit. People don't create your spirit, 
They reveal your spirit. This is a biblical concept, and I want you to know that before I say this. This is a thought that hit me when watching Star Trek. Now, I'm not a Star Trek fan, necessarily. I do like some of the stuff because Star Wars is way superior. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Now, I know who the Trekkies are in the room, and I know who the Star Wars people are, and I will be siding with them. Okay, so, so anyway, you've, you, I was watching this movie one time, and, and Jean-Luc Bacard, right? It was him, and it was his opposite. The movie was called Nemesis. And Jean-Luc Bacard kept trying to get his alter ego to go with inside of him and realize that it's not the circumstances that make a man. It's the man that decides how to respond to those circumstances. So the whole film is this, is this thing where John Luke Picard is trying to get the bad guy to see that he could actually be good. That just because he grew up this way doesn't mean that that's the way that he has to be. Is everybody tracking? You see, it matters to a point how you grew up, but it doesn't matter to a point how you grew up. The way you grew up may have caused you to live with difficult people. It may have caused you to have difficult parents. It may have caused you to have difficult family relationships. But that does not mean that you as a Christian that's supposed to be putting on the new humanity has to respond in the same fashion that your family has responded in because they're lost. Is everybody tracking? See, how you respond to people reveals what's really inside of you. So if it's love, then you're going to respond in love towards your family. It is people don't create your spirit. They reveal your spirit. I used to be unsaved and there was a falling spirit about me. I have now received Christ. I am a new creation. I have a new spirit. And so when difficult times and difficult people happen to me, that's the spirit I need to emulate. It's the one I need to imitate. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 46 says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? So we love even our enemies. We don't have to live with them. But God says you do have to love them. Ephesians 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I will tell you that I think the reach for holiness is a challenge. I think the reach for protection, I mean, not protection, perfection of God is a challenge. I think reaching for mercy is a challenge. I think reaching for forgiveness is a challenge. 
But there are a whole awful lot of times that love seems to be something that is far more than anything. <laughs> Any of that. But we have to reach for it and we need to imitate it when it comes to interacting with other people. Um, Danny Yoki wrote this song, and I'm just going to read the first part of this. He says, got to keep it real simple, keep it real simple, bring everything back to ground zero, because it all comes down to this, love God and love people. The reason this is so important and the reason this is part of the new humanity is this. When you show God's love to other people, you have given them a touch of heaven. Let's say that again. When you love God, well, I mean, when you love people like God loves people, when you show that love to them, you're actually giving those people a touch of heaven. Amen. So let's do this. Let's go out this week with the agenda of giving people a touch of heaven by loving them like Christ has loved them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this age you've given us. We thank you for this lesson of love. I pray, Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll help us reach toward the bars that you have set for us. They are way too high for us to reach. Will we commit today to try and to reach for them? We commit today to be holy as you are holy, to strive to be perfect like you're perfect, to show mercy as you've shown mercy, to forgive as you have forgive, forgiven us, and to show love to other people like you have showed love to us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we know we have the strength to reach toward it. We know that because we're still fallen, we're not going to make it to that level. But Father, we're gonna reach for it anyway. Because the last thing this world needs is another group of people that are hateful, that are angry, that are not wise with their words when they respond. The last thing this world needs is another group of people that doesn't care. What this world needs is you. And if part of us being a witness is reaching for holiness, perfection, forgiveness, showing them love, then that is exactly what we want to do. And I pray that as we reach for that, Father, that you work wonders, especially this one, that we will see people come to know you as their personal savior as a result of you shining through us to them. So we leave that task in your hands, knowing that you will strengthen us to do it. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna stand and sing. The altar is open for you if you need it. So let's sing, I surrender.